up, guys? Welcome to The Grind Podcast, where I talk hunting, entrepreneurship, fitness, and the daily grind, and what it takes to earn success. I'm your host, Eric Van Workham, and today we're having back on the show Peep Peep Tom. That's the nickname I give him. It's kind of like Peeping Tom. Um, anyway, he's this 26-year-old single guy. Go figure. Peeping Tom. Anyway, and also my brother, Aaron Van Workham. Now today, uh, we're going to do a little Q&A, but before we get started, we'll do another little plug here, and this one is for base map. Offline maps, 3D maps, live location sharing, uh, all the things. There's a new thing called XDR, if you don't know what that is. It's a built-in scale bar. You double tap that uh, My Location button, projects this line scale bar and a compass all in one. Um, here's a little pro tip for you. If you're using the XDR tool inside of your truck, it's going to go wonky because it is a compass and anything magnetic inside your truck can throw that off. So it's kind of uh, not saying that it will, but sometimes it can. So it's it's best to use outside of the truck. And then um, also while you're in the field, it should work phenomenally. So that's just that's why mine's always it. messed up because I only truck hunt. Yeah, I know. That's <laughs> your, that is your problem, peeping Tom. Uh, you're just a trek hunter. Yeah. You're just a lowland flatliner. You it, belong in the Midwest. It's it's warmer, and it's just the best way to get a big deer. Yeah, sometimes <laughs> sometimes it is the best way. All right, so let's proceed to the uh, uh, quick draw. All right, so we're just answering some questions we get daily on Instagram. Aaron and I went through and kind of picked some out, what he sees a lot, what you get a lot. Um, and one of the main ones is what is the best overall caliber for hunting out West? And what would you recommend to anyone looking to build like an overall rifle for elk, deer? Ooh, this is a good one. I like this one. Yeah, this is a good one. Um, I also feel like it's not really a fair question. And here's why. Because, um, every rifle is built differently. Okay. Yeah. So there can be. Heavyweight rifles, there can be midweight rifles, there can be ultra lightweight rifles. And, you know, a 300 PRC in a, in a uh, ultra lightweight rifle wouldn't be a super fun rifle to shoot. Sure, okay? yeah. But it might be a, a good um, backpacking rifle that packs a punch. And it's just, yeah. you're just not going to be super effective at long range with um, a, a rifle that's la- that light rate because of the recoil um, and being able to stay in your scope coming out of recoil that's going to be extremely difficult if not impossible with an ultra lightweight rifle and a 300 prc um so i don't know i i, I think they're all good and it just dep- depends on the platform and how you build them so I, i'm going to take your question and ask myself a question okay that's sort true. of um i think if you're going to choose one all-around caliber and you were going to say shoot from 200 to 600 yards for both elk and mule deer that have some that was effective, shot a good bullet with a high BC. You could build an ultralight, midweight, and heavyweight platform. I'd say the 6.5 PRC for for elk and mule deer, whitetail, anything that you wanted to do in the backcountry. I don't know, Aaron. I'd agree with that. Yeah, I mean, that's last three years. That's what I have a midweight 6.5 PRC, and I've used it for everything. So it's killed like five elk now, killed some mule deer, antelope. So, I mean, I would agree. I, I don't have as much say as you do because you've shot a 300 Norma, PRC, 300 PRC. You've shot all these different calibers, which I haven't. But from my experience with a midweight 6.5 PRC, that's totally accurate. I love that thing. Yeah. Well, what would you say to the haters 
because you get there's a lot of comments. They don't see the animal drop instantly. They're oh, yeah. it doesn't pack enough punch, and you yeah. see that a lot with the six five yeah. PRC. Well, here here's the thing that people don't. Uh, I would like to ask the haters one questions now. A non outfitter, non guide, so an actual hunter who's pulled the trigger themselves. How many elk have you killed? I would ask that question first, mm-hmm. and I would say, okay, out of how many of those elk you've killed that wasn't a spine shot, how many of them? dropped over dead with their feet in the air, tits up. That, that, that's what I'd ask him first. So, so the non-guides, the non-outfitters, this is a question just solely for the hunter. How many elk have you shot, number one? And then number two, how many have you seen just go tits up right as soon as they're hit? I mean, most people would say it doesn't happen very yeah. often. So I would like to, yeah, so I would like to know, I would ask that question to the hater making that comment because it almost never happens. It doesn't matter if it's a 300 Ultramac. It doesn't matter if it's a 300 PRC, 300 Norma. Elk almost never, never ever flip upside down when you, or knock them off their feet. Now, high shoulder shots can be a super effective shot. And then, obviously, a spine's going to knock them down. But they, they, it, it's like Seth, my buddy at Hornady, always says, number one always beats number two. And number one is always shot placement accuracy. Shot placement, shot placement, shot placement. Go ahead, Aaron. Oh, I just got a couple. Number one, did you say tits up? Yeah. <laughs> okay, I've never heard that. You've one. never heard that one? <laughs> no. I use that one all the time. Maybe it's just <laughs> when I'm hunting. <laughs> never heard that one. Number two, I, I just, I don't, that was mainly just tits up. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I would agree with all that. I mean, I would say if you drop an elk in sight, you probably hit him bad. Whether a neck shot or spine shot or yeah. something like that. If you hit him good, they probably go, you know. Yeah, a little bit. And when you, in in my experience, now I've killed, I think I've killed 15 bulls now. In my experience, if you hit a bull lethally, he'll almost hunch up or freeze. If you hit him bad, he'll run. But if you hit a bull lethally, so heart, lungs, or even back, last rib and back behind there, he'll freeze. Yeah. If you hit him bad, he'll run. But when they, when they're, when they know they're screwed, they're like, you see it. They're like, uh-oh. Yeah. They like yeah. freeze and tense up. They know they're screwed. You know, kind of like the bull, the bulls you've seen me shoot. Yeah, the, what I've seen get hit, and you know they're gonna die. You, you know they're hurt. How yeah. they act, and they and they know. Oh yeah, and they know yeah. too. They're they're going downhill. Like they're or they're you know they're not going too far anyway. No, he shot that one this year, and he went. That was the fastest I've seen an elk die with a gun. He went, what, 20 yards maybe? And then he tipped over and died? Yeah, that, well, that was quick. Yeah, so, and that was pretty fast for, I That was a hard shot. Yeah. But even then, he kind of, like, stumbled a little bit before he even oh, yeah. made any steps. I, I don't think people realize how tough they actually are. It's they're like, tough. Yeah, they're not this, it's, it's not like a movie. They're no. just dropping straight to the ground. No, and, and, and that's why I'd ask that question first. How many elk have you killed? I bet 90% of people... Average hunter out there, if they're shooting an elk, they're running, and they have you have to track it somewhat. Yeah. The, you know, a couple hundred yards, maybe a hundred yards less. They're they're going somewhere usually. Yeah. And so, and how many elk have you guys been with me that you've actually had to track? Not not many. Not many. So yeah. So uh, so here's here's my next thing. Um, three hundred norm. I used that all season long. Shot a bull moose with it. I shot a three forty bull with it. Shot some deer. It's phenomenal caliber. I love that build, but. That build was more on the heavyweight side, and I don't yeah. want to be packing a heavyweight 300 Norma into the backcountry. 
I don't really want to build a 300 Norma that's a midweight or a lightweight because <laughs> that won't be fun to shoot. You don't want a lightweight 300 Norma? No. <laughs> and, and here's the other thing. I, I think that I was shooting factory ammo with my 300 Norma. Yeah, I could have hot-rotted it so I could have really got that extra speed and that extra energy and velocity out of it, but I don't really have time to reload at this point in my life. I, I might reload that gun at one point. But that's why I think the 300 PRC is a little bit better option for me. I get this all the time. Eric, you had a 300 Norma. Why are you doing a 300 PRC now? Did you not like the 300 Norma? No, I absolutely love the 300 Norma. But I want to try the 300 PRC in a, in a ultralight, a midweight, and a heavy. No, nah, I probably won't do a heavyweight out of 300 PRC. But I just like to experiment, and I like mm -hmm. to see what I like. And that's why I like to build so many different rifles so that when people are asking me these questions, I can hopefully relate to them, speak more to them. And for me, the... The factory ammo that goes out of a 300 PRC, it's just it's just more optimal, I think. Um, obviously, this cartridge was de de developed in 2016-2017, um, so it's it's just going to have more precision machining. It's just going to have that much more tech behind the technology into how it was just put together from the start to finish. So versus you know say like the 300 Win Mag that was manufactured in say 1960. Yeah, so. You kind of said three calibers, six five PRC. You said best if you had to pick one. Yeah. But, uh, okay, it's choosing that. Three hundred Norma is good. Three hundred PRC. You enjoy that. Yeah. So if I guess if you're if you had to choose or tell someone where to choose to start, you're saying one of those three calibers. Gosh, there's and there's one I'm not talking about. I don't seven think, mag. Yep, seven mag. I knew you were gonna say that. I love the seven mag. It's, it's great fast. all around. It's flat shooting. You can shoot the one seventy five. ELDXs or the 180s ELDMs, which have an even higher BC than the ELDXs, and they shoot phenomenal and they're fast. So what it's kind of coming down to is it depends on your style of hunting. Yeah, it just that's depends on your style of hunting. Yeah. And here's the thing about a seven mag: you can custom load it, you can shoot factory, you can build a ultralight all the way to a, a heavyweight. I would do an ultralight or a midweight and not even blink an eye at a seven mag. I killed an elk at 1,500 yards with a 7 mag with a 175 ELDX once upon a time. It's just a phenomenal caliber. It really is. And for one to be that old, uh, the, I don't know the year that one was kind of uh, born, but um, that's just a great, great caliber, especially for all the Western stuff. Yeah. Par paralleling, tying this all back to Western big game hunting, that's just a great Western caliber, and it's available anywhere. Let's say you're going to Kyrgyzstan to hunt Siberian Ibex or Mid-Asian Ibex or what have you. you. Forget your ammo at home or it otherwise gets ruined or something weird happens. It gets stolen out of your luggage. Uh, you could probably find 7 Mag at the local gun shop store somewhere in Kyrgyzstan versus 6.5 PRC or 300 PRC. Yeah. So there's also those factors to consider. Yeah, so I guess... Yeah, boils down to your style of hunting. Boils down yeah. to your style of hunting and what you can do and what you can afford. Yeah, I don't know. And and, and my new 7 WSM uh, that I've only shot one bull with and one animal with so far, uh, Travis, who doesn't load, so don't ask him to reload stuff, but he loaded me up some 198 tips for that, going 29.35 out of the loss, out of the muzzle. And, uh, man, those things are hot rods and... Peyton, you saw what it did to that elk. It hammered that bull. Oh, yeah. In through the heart, out through the shoulder, trashed the opposite side shoulder. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I would say, and I got a 280 Ackley I haven't even put a scope on yet, you know, that I need. I should probably do something with Spring Bear for just to kind of show it off and, and give it some love. But, gosh, I would say 6.5 PRC, my, my top three. 
six five PRC, three hundred PRC, or seven Mac. Okay. And all for kind of different reasons. If I if I only if I only had to choose a three hundred Norma, I would do a three hundred Norma too. As long <laughs> as I had time to reload. I think that's I feel like if you're gonna use or go the three hundred Norma route in order for um you to give the caliber uh justice, do it justice, um, I think you almost need to custom load for it. And the reason why I'm not talking about the ultra or the rum is I don't I don't I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of the rum. I'm not a fan of the Ultra. They're too fast. They're barrel burners. Guys aren't getting long barrel life out of them. I just, I'm just not even going to talk about them. People uh, love 28 nozzlers too. People like the 28 nozzler. Again, I don't like the free bore in the 28 nozzler. Um, I think it's, I think it's too fast, not quite as stable. And I've killed stuff with the 28 nozzler. I killed my doll sheep with it. I killed my biggest uh, DIY public land buck with it. I think it's great. Um, I just don't like the ammo s- situation for that, it either. Yeah, it's expensive. Holy crap! It's expensive, um, and it's gonna it's gonna turn your barrel inside out a little quicker too. But there's not there's nothing say wrong with it. And the other argument is some people don't shoot their guns enough for it even to matter. Okay, they're never gonna put 500 rounds through it in their lifetime, and that and and that's okay. So like, man, get a hot rod, I guess, if you're never gonna do that. And, Maybe someone has ammo on supply. Well, Eric, I have brass and I have bullets and I have powder for this. I'm like, okay, do that then. That'll yeah. work. Do do whatever is best for you. And only you know what's best for you. But those are just kind of some scenarios that might help you make a better decision. All right. Well, there you guys go. So let's move on to, I guess we could, I'll skip that one for a second. Since we're on rifles, what optics do you use and prefer? And you mm. can go off binos, scopes. Yeah, okay, so let's talk rifle scopes first. Um, I used some of my longest shots I ever made. I used the Viper at one point, the PST Gen 2. Um, never really had any issues with it. That's something I've used. I used the AMG. I thought that was good. In my opinion, I think they're a little, I don't know. I, I just I just like the features in the Leupold Mark V a little better, and this is unbiased. Well, Eric, you work with Leupold, blah, blah, blah. I'm, I'm telling you. I like the Mark V better. It has that locking turret. I had times, I have a story on where I missed a buck because the old Viper PST didn't have a stop, zero stop, zero stop on the windage turret. And it was an exposed windage turret. And I missed just this big frame buck. I think I was telling you guys about it the other day. Mm-hmm. And I was so frustrated. And this isn't, this isn't the scope's fault. So let me just preface this. Um, but I was so frustrated. The buck ran over the hill. I'm like, how did I miss him? I did. I hadn't figured out it was my zero stop on my windage turret. And so I like, I went to jack another shell in. Well, in the meantime, he went over the over the next ridge, and I didn't think to take the round out because there's all that commotion going on, right? I threw the rifle on my pack, put it on, and somehow the gun went off and almost blew my head off. Luckily, I had a suppressor on it, so it didn't ruin my ear. Oh, yeah. But I, I almost shot. I almost shot myself, and uh, it w- wasn't the scope's fault, but it was kind of added to the commotion of that incident. But I would say my all-time favorite, the VX6 HD, is pretty awesome. Uh, and then my number one favorite is the Mark V. So far, so I've, far. and I've used yeah. the Night Force too. Um, I used an NX8. That was a great. That's a great scope too. Okay. I, I really enjoyed that Night Force. So, haven't used a Swarrow. Can't speak to that. Haven't used his eyes. Can't speak to that. Um, Loopholes, first ever scope I ever owned. So, you want to keep going off binos? Yeah, I can binos. Yeah. And- binos. Um, 
I had some uh, I had some Suaro ELs before I even owned some Vortexes, and I was impressed with Vortexes, and uh, so I was like, man, I, I don't have a problem using these, and uh, uh, Spotter was more affordable at the time, so I sold my Suaro ELs, transitioned over to Vortex, didn't have a problem with that, they made a good Spotter, and then uh, recently tried the Santiums, and uh, I love the Leupold Santiums. I have the Santium Spotter as well, it's a little heavy in my opinion, uh, I'd like to see that scope line get a little lighter. Um, I'm using the Pro Guide right now. Um, I've used an AT ATX too, so don't think that I haven't looked through the nicest of the nicest. I'm telling you, um, that loophole stuff's legit. I wouldn't be using it if it wasn't, because I, I, <laughs> I try to kill and use the best equipment possible and kill the biggest bucks possible. That's Yes, yeah. I love the meat, but I'm absolutely a tr trophy hunter when I can be. Yeah, when you can be. What about you have anything to add to the, your optics? No, I I love love the Santians. I nothing but good things to say about those. Yeah, the Vortex. I mean, the Vipers and Razors. Great glass too when we when we use those. So, but yeah, the Santians are money. Yeah, I, I did I did send the Vortexes back to warranty a couple times. I never had to do I that. I sent mine back twice. I never had to do that with a loophole. Um, they always joke. My buddy always jokes. It's the VIP. It's the warranty you never have to use. The, the unconditional VIP warranty you never have to use. So, For a loophole? Yeah, yeah, that's what they say. Um, yeah, I've never really had any issues with that. And honestly, I didn't really have any issues with the rifle scopes from Vortex either. Um, they work pretty good. Um, I guess off that, we'll just... Another common question we get is, favorite big game animal to hunt? Gosh, mule deer, of course. Mule deer? Why? Yeah. It's, it's the hardest animal. It's the hardest animal to kill. All especially right. a mature DIY public land mule deer pressure the hardest animal to kill he doesn't scream and tell you where he's at as soon as yeah. he rubs a velvet he disappears um it is he's got these big ears that just pick up all the sound and movement that echoes across these big basins and canyons and desert what have you um but it's a close second is definitely elk it is a very 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 close second um i love hunting elk i hate killing them but i love hunting them <laughs> we know you like hunting them. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't like when they're laying on the ground there, and then I got to figure out what to do next. <laughs> Just uh, call me and Aaron. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, call you too. No, I just I love bow hunting deer too. I love bow hunting deer, especially in the desert. I think that's one of the funnest things that you can do is is bow hunt deer. There, dude, big bucks are so smart. I think that's what makes it so cool. There's a video I saw a couple months ago where. You could see a uh, guy was videoing this big buck. I think it was in Saskatchewan. But that buck was coming down, and he just didn't have a care in the world. And all of a sudden, he locked up. And you could see the guy's footprints in the video. And I don't know if it was a phone scope or what. But he puts his head down, smells the footprint, does a couple circles, looking around, has his head up. Gone. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, my gosh. If you're hunting a giant, you got to take every precaution measure. And his footprint in the snow. Yeah. <laughs> was it a mule deer? Or yeah, a white yeah it was a mule deer. So um, that's why I'm so hard on my camera guys and anyone. I'm like, dude, nothing, no voices are almost ever elevated past a, a whisper. Or I, I'm super, just so you know, I get super annoyed if it is. <laughs> because all it takes is those buck. they can hear you. Have you ever watched a group of guys hiking in and you've, you're looking at deer on the hill and they're a mile, two miles away, but they're talking or yelling really loud? Oh, yeah. that, those deer know where they're at. And they can pin, 
pinpoint locate yeah. where those voices are coming from. And your voice carries, you don't, you don't know it, but I've heard, I've seen guys way far away and their sounds just coming, like the winds coming right at my face. And I can hear those guys' voices like they're yeah. like 50 yards away. You hunt with me, you film with me. It's always a whisper and it sucks because it's not as exciting until uh, the animal's on the ground. It's a whisper. I don't care if it's the middle of the day. I don't care if it's night. I don't care if it's morning. It's a whisper. And that's that's how you got to hunt big deer. Big bucks are smart. Very smart. So let's go on to this question. This is a, more of a in-depth one. What gear do I need for a backpack hunt, and how do I prepare? Yeah. All right, let's start with the fundamentals. Preparation. Um I think you've got to train and train hard. I don't think just going to the gym and walking the treadmill and running for 20 minutes or biking for 20 minutes is going to get you into backpacking shape. I think you've got to get to the hills, go on some hikes, go on some, put some weight in there, hit the gym harder, come up with a diet routine, come up with a supplement regimen, get to know your body. Um, I obviously found a recent company in the last six months in first form who I believe had the best supplements on this earth. I've, I've yet to try one better in the best education system around their uh, supplements. But um, then to go to the fundamental of the pack part and, and the gear, I think you got to get a solid pack. I think there's a lot of good packs out there. We all use different packs. Yeah. And I found a pack I like. I'm sure there's other packs I like. I might try some different packs this year. Get a good pack. I think it starts there. Get something that you know how to use the pack. A lot of times I've, I've, uh, use packs and I don't quite know how to pack meat with them yet. And so I'm there on the mountain trying to figure it out and that's not ever the funnest thing. So I think you got to get to know your pack. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Cause if you're packing out meat yeah. or a ton of weight, it's yeah. going to hurt it's gonna you hurt. somewhere. And we've oh, all had yeah. new packs on hunts with each other. Peyton had a yeah. mystery ranch. I had a Kufaru. Yeah. Aaron had initial ascent. Bel- Belmer didn't know a Sitka one when he was with Yeah, me Belmer on. had a Sitka one. We <laughs> didn't really know how to load heavy loads uh, comfortably. And so we're, it's kind of stressful trying to figure that out on the mountain. So do yourself a solid and try to learn your pack in advance. And you don't really learn your pack until you're actually packing meat. You can learn it. You can watch YouTube videos. But until you packed a couple loads with it a couple times on the mountain in actual meat, flesh, and bone, you don't really know how it works. So a good pack. Um, Secondly, uh, backpacking gear, I would start with your sleep system next. First, the pad. You've got to get a good pad. Look at the the R rating. You need something that holds insulation while still being lightweight you also need to look at the time of year you're going to be hunting because the season is going to dictate your r rating and how you're going to be comfortable there so you want a higher r rating the later on in the season uh the lower r rating for stuff that's early season you also want to sleep good sleep is important don't skimp here if it costs you more money to get something lighter better more comfortable spend the money here we run quilts i've run lightman equipment quilts uh, they're super light. Uh, you don't want to get them wet. And then the other thing, I have three different light equipment quilts, a zero degree, uh, 15 degree and a 20 degree, maybe in a 30 degree. I might have four quilts. Uh, the other thing that you want to, I like, I got, I don't know. I toss and turn all night, even at home. So when you roll over on your slide, you get a little breeze, uh, on the, uh, underneath the quilt because it doesn't, it's not a full mummy bag. So you'll get just a little bit cold on the small of your back sometimes. Uh, that would be one of my complaints about that. Even though you can latch uh, the quilt together underneath the pad, uh, they clip together, I still get just a little bit of that breeze in mine. Um, I like that breeze, though. 
That's why yeah. I love the quilt. If it's if it's warm enough, it's nice. If it yeah. starts to get cold, it can be uncomfortable. Yeah, it can be annoying. Yeah, it just depends on what hunt it is, I guess. Yeah. Oh, you st- you still haven't given me, given me back my little pillow too. Those are nice. Yeah, there's a little climate pillow. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah I love yeah, that climate that. pillow. Yeah, I, I take very good care of it. I take care of it like about you take yeah, care of my right. stuff. <laughs> I've let Aaron have a few tripods, and I'll never let him have one again. <laughs> no, you haven't. <laughs> Not have them. Use one. I've never actually given you one, but I give them to you after you use them because I don't want them anymore. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> um, I I mean I think you can go a few different routes on tents. You can go tarp just something simple tarp for early season you can do um lightweight kuyu tent there's uh seek outside i haven't ever tried one of those i've tried some big agnuses that i've been really stoked with um well off the also off your sleeping system your whole camo system layering system can go off your sleeping system too so depending on what layers and stuff you have too you can prepare for how you're sleeping at night depending on what layers you have too if it's cryptex sitka kuyu they build it so however cold it's getting you can add an extra layer or take a layer off yeah for your sleeping system too. yeah you, you can definitely layer up when you're sleeping i a lot of times i'll sleep in my puffy yeah uh, if it's early season i don't really need to but it's always kind of a scary feeling when you know you have to go to bed with every single piece of clothing that you have <laughs> and yeah. i've been there plenty of times <laughs> Yeah. And you're like, man, shoot, if this gets real Western, this is the last layer I have. <laughs> Even if you're cold, you never want to put on the last layer, no. do you? You know you're in big it's trouble because like then you wake up and it's 10 times colder in the morning and, and you, you don't have anything to put on. <laughs> so usually even if it's really cold, I try to not put everything on yeah, so that I'm freezing when I'm sleeping and then at least I can wake up and put something it's on. It's this mental deal. You know you're hosed if you're down to your last layer. <laughs> and you're like, I need to wake up and hike. <laughs> yeah, you're just like, I can't wait to get hiking. Yeah, that's how you know you're you're cold. <laughs> so what was the original question again? Uh, Backpacking. What equipment. gear do I need for a backpack hunt and yep. how to overall prepare? Okay. So when I first when I first get ready for a hunt, the first thing I ask myself is your absolute necessity. So I always just think food, water, shelter, clothing. And I always build, you know, everything beyond that's like, obviously you need a kill kit. You got to have a tag. You know, every I build off of that though. So I always do shelter, food, water, and then your clothing clothing yeah. boots whatever and that that's how i always do my i build my checklist off of that so well so you can kind of speak off this a little bit maybe we don't want to get into your backpack hunt that you just did or i guess that we're editing right now you didn't just do it, it was in the fall but how did you prepare for that going into you just looked at okay the weather's going to be this we'll talk about how, your food first yeah yeah so food you you, you want to have light food you mm-hmm. like you do not want to have heavy food so you're going to look for you know your freeze-dried meals because they're really light mm-hmm. um don't get disgusting ones yeah that ruin your gut because i've done that i think we've all <laughs> been yeah. through that definitely <laughs> you want to get was that oh. a homemade one okay truthfully was it actually did it amazing t- it was a costco lasagna really? i just took it over to aunt audrey and she freeze-dried it Honestly, the best, it's been the best freeze-dried meal. How many calories was it? Do you have any idea? Uh, I, I can't remember. It's a lot. It's over, it, it's like 1,200, I think, if I'm remembering right. Because I put two, I always put two slabs in each bag. So that that's by far been my favorite food. It's just when I've done it by myself. Gotcha. So that was amazing. Um, you you want to get stuff, you, you got to have calorie-dense 
food. So yeah. those first form, those first form level one bars, amazing. Yeah. A lot of calories, a lot of protein. You have to have protein, especially because we were, you know, we're climbing 2,000 feet in elevation every day, and you're just dead tired, um, burning tons of calories. So calorie dense food, it's got to be light. Make sure you have your water filtration system. Um, again, you want light. We something with salt too to replenish electrolytes. And yeah. So there's yeah. And cramping. Well, you can go off for overall preparing. So your hunt, if you're close enough, going in and you that could be preparing for it too. Hiking in is taking water before these hunts if you're able to. That way you don't have to worry about bringing in as much water. Right. Because that's what you guys had to deal with. Yeah. Was we, yeah. Bringing we didn't. In water. We didn't have water where we hunted, so we. We had to so, pack it yeah, all in. That's all the extra weight. So I think we figured out we had eight. We hiked in twenty pounds of water, eighteen pounds of water per guy. Yeah, and it that's lasts, heavy. Yeah, it lasted yeah. you like three, three days, two and a half, three yeah. days. And here's the thing: if you've never scouted an area, you don't know how much water you have. So then you have to bring yeah. in even extra water. Yep. And you then depending on the year, yeah, different water too. Yeah. Some and, places could be dried up. And depending on the hunt too, I'll pack different filter systems. Like I'll do a Sawyer squeeze, or I'll do like a Catadine pump. Where I could actually pump out of a wallow. A sort of your squeeze, you don't really want to stick in that muddy, nasty right. pee wallow because it'll, it's just not going to do as good a job as, like, say, a pump catadine or something like that. Or MSR pump. I have an MSR pump. So, I, gosh, I have several different systems for uh, backpack hunting when it comes to water. Mm-hmm. There's also water pills that you can use. I think, Peyton, you have a Sterilite, don't you, or something? Uh, what is it? Lifestraw. Lifestraw. Who has a Sterilite? Oh, Nick. Nick has a little Sterilite light thing where you twist it around and it's supposed to like... Kill it? Kill yeah. the bacteria? Oh, then, <laughs> then it went out on us. We're like, hey, we don't know whether to trust this thing or not. It's so. kind of... The Lifestraw, I've always been like, do I really trust this thing? But I've used it quite a bit. And I've, I never, I haven't yeah. gotten sick. So it comes in handy sometimes. Yeah. Even when I was hauling out my deer this year, there's little... And I was like, I have my Lifestraw in water. I'll just get on, my, on the ground and suck some water out yeah. of it. And it... It helps for a little bit. You can't really filter it and put it into a water bottle, but if you have something right there to drink out of. Or I guess I've filled up my Camelback before with river water and this drinking out of the live straw, and that's yeah. worked before too. So, Yeah, so a bunch of different things you could do there. Um, the first four meat sticks, uh, you can find a link from us somehow. We'll give you a link to those. If you do buy them, definitely reach out to us. Um, let us know if you bought uh, some of those from listening to this podcast. So we get a little bit of a credit towards that, but I, <clears throat> I don't know if the protein sticks, the protein bars from first form, I think it, I mean, I packed BCAAs and a, a EAAs, essential amino acids. Um, that way you're replenishing your body. Those things help, especially when you're running, you're not, uh, you don't have good nutrition. You have the best nutrition possible. We don't have sufficient nutrition, salt pills, EAAs, um, I'll even pack a little bit of pre-workout for an extra snort on a pack out if I'm in deep in a little <laughs> bit of liquid confidence because sometimes yeah. you need that in scary places where there's brown bears roaming around, especially when you're trying to whack through alders. That's do you do you snort the powder or do you usually put it in the? No, you put it <laughs> in the water. They, did you know that it takes longer to absorb snorting it and it goes into your bloodstream quicker if you drink it? <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> Makes sense. So those guys doing the snort stuff and trying to act like they're on coke. Not only is that not cool and setting a bad example to young kids, but uh, that's actually taking longer to absorb. I just want to make sure the listeners know that Grandpa Chug's the one that came up with snort. You want to snort? That means you take a little drink. 
Yeah. That's oh, that's yeah. Drink. yeah. That's, yeah that's Not what. actually snorting. That's. A I wonder drink. if he got. Yeah. I, okay. Never mind. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah. I mean, Aaron. I thought backpacking gear, and Aaron thought food and water first. So I mean, those those are some tips on food and water. Um, I think I think a good stove for heating those freeze dried meals is important. I use a MSR wind burner and absolutely love that thing. I don't have to worry about wind. Um, well, you want something fast to boil fast, the water because water you're hungry fast. when you're cooking them up and you have to wait there forever. Yeah. The worst part is waiting for it to get... Because uh, you already have to wait 10, 15 minutes for those freeze-dried yeah. meals to cook anyway. Yeah, the worst part is waiting for them to cook is what I was getting Yeah, at. but even if, if the water's taking forever to boil, it just makes it even worse. You're yeah. like, oh my gosh. And a lot of times I'll pack a, just a little pro tip for you. I'll, I'll get those uh, platypus bags and I'll have a dirty bag and I'll have a filtered bag and I'll try to cook with my dirty bag so I don't have to filter. I'll just try to make sure I boil long enough, um, boil water long enough so that I don't have to use my filter water. I can kind of keep that for drinking. Oh, that's that's a good idea. Yeah. And kill kit, lightweight kill kit. That's why we use goat knives because they're super lightweight. Yeah. Uh, trekking poles you are can huge get heavy. for backpacking too. You can get heavy on like kill kits and stuff like that too. Yeah. Lightweight game bags. You know, we, we've, um, yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off no, you're when you were talking about the knives, but back to the trekking poles, the Rimrock climbers are seven ounces each. Um, the place where you can get into trouble with the twist locks is if you extend them out too far. So another little pro tip for you, if you do get the Rimrock climbing trekking poles, you don't, you want to make sure you're not overextended because that's where they'll get weak or otherwise the twist lock will fail. So otherwise they're a phenomenal trekking pole. Super lightweight. But yeah, it's still pretty tough. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. They're tough. One thing no one's mentioned is your boots. You want to have a good pair of yeah, boots, boots that are, are broken in that yep. you're comfortable with. I can recommend a brand, but I can't recommend a boot. Uh, the brand I would recommend, obviously, is Crispy because there's... I can recommend a boot. So many different... <laughs> yeah, Aaron. Laponias. My feet can't take anything but those. I love the Laponia. But my feet have gotten tougher recently. Like, I took those brick stalls on a hunt, and I hadn't done anything with them. They were fine. But I didn't go hard for five days with an 80-pound pack either. So I yeah. wanted and go straight up and downhill. I'm sure they would have got me then. But I think my feet have gotten a little bit tougher. But, yeah, the Laponias are, I feel like, the most conducive to a new foot in the backcountry. Or just to, yeah, and everyone's feet are different. Some people like a yeah. really stiff boot. I hate stiff boots. I just can't yeah. take them. I just, I, every, I, I rub. It's but, just Laponia is my number one boot, too. But if I were to say one thing that um, is perhaps a fault of the Laponia. I don't like how the th sidewall is so thin. When you get into some rocky stuff, you feel the rocks on yeah, the inside and outside you of your foot. And I think that, but that's the drawback of yeah. them. They're light, they're quiet, they're not heavy. But if I were to say, man, I, I have felt one too many rocks and you don't have control over that when you have a heavy pack on, say you have an 80 to 120 pound pack on yeah. when you're on some of those rocks, you're inevitably going to get yeah. some of those sharp rocks in the sidewall of the Laponia, and there's not as much protection on the Laponia on the sidewalls. Yeah. Kind of like a tire, you know, a thin tire. Yeah, and you go up scree patches and stuff. And you, you feel you, it. You feel it, yeah. You if you're not going to get into the rocky stuff and you're in the desert or some stuff that's not as mean, I think the Laponia is a f fantastic boot. Yeah, I think whatever you're using, you just need to be comfortable. You need to know your boot, too. You need to know it, yeah. You need to know it. Don't take a, don't take a pair of boots on the first, your first ever backpacking no, Back brand new pair. Trip. Yeah, yeah make sure you know no matter what you hear you people say, because 
almost every boot, some people say, oh, I didn't get blisters at all. Well, that's just one person's experience. You yeah. need to make sure you test them out. Yeah. Oh, I did, I did that once. I took a pair of boots out. Remember up here? Yeah. And uh, I have pictures. Yeah, of blisters? What boots <laughs> oh, were they? Do you remember? Uh, Lathrop and Sons. Yeah, those are really stiff. Tore, too. just tore my feet up. Like, like four inch, five inch blisters on my heels. But Travis, Travis Nwatney loves, loves them. Loves them. So everyone's right. foot is different. Yeah. That's he, my point. He's probably got troll feet. <laughs> he, probably <laughs> he probably does. Probably looks like an ogre. Yeah, I've had boots where heavier ones or my toes are like numb from hiking around in them and then wear a different pair. And it's, it just depends. Everyone, your feet shape, the boot shape can yeah. depend too. So yeah, preparing for your backpack kind of has to be equipment you're Equipment you're used to, that you've used before, that you know how to use it, and then what Eric was saying, spend a little extra money on it so it's lighter, so it'll stand up to whatever elements you're preparing for. And every hunt's different, so you're going to have to prepare for each one different. Yeah, so. and I, I have a lot of different boots. I have several packs. I have several stoves, several filters, several pads. Yeah. I have eight different headlamps. I have four different stoves. I have five different backpacking. I don't say that to boast, but I say that because I like just a little bit different piece of equipment for the different type of hunts I know. Yeah. I've done so many hunts out west now. I know what equipment I like for that specific hunt. But when I was just learning this stuff, I brought the wrong stuff a lot. So then I knew that that's what I didn't want. And yeah. I knew what piece I wanted. For example, I was hunting... Um, the high country for whitetail on, on a on a backpack hunt. And I had a 15-pound Bell & Carlson uh, stock with this rim action with this big barrel and a night force, and I, night force scope. And I learned I didn't want that heavy of a rifle for a backpack hunt. Yeah. But I wanted to be able to shoot long range, so that's when I discovered proof. Mm -hmm. So anyway, you go on these hunts and you learn what works and what doesn't work. And there wasn't really podcasts back then either, so I had to learn the hard way. Yeah. I didn't have all these YouTube channels and these great podcasts out there. We just had to go and learn what, what worked <laughs> yeah, and what, what didn't work. <laughs> yeah. So you learn, you learn, you go on the hunts, you learn, uh, you try to research all you can. But at the end of the day, uh, I have a lot of different equipment for different types of hunts. So it just depends on the hunt. Yeah. Oh, that's my pack I have now. I have a Mr. Ranch. And before I had some aluminum frame backpack, went hiking with that. We won't you know, tease you, Peyton. And I was like, oh, man, this is terrible. It's sore. It's just a bad pack. Old bad pack. I think it was my dad's or something. Who knows? It was a super <laughs> old. I was like, I'll spend the money to get nicer equipment just so I'm not in pain yeah. afterwards. Oh, yeah. And it's like, so investing in your equipment. And I used to have really cheap stuff. And it's like, I'd rather invest in it more and destroy it. But yeah. it'd be comfortable than wear the, some yeah. old crappy stuff or old packs that kill you. So Yeah. Well, and you know, you look, you probably, Aaron and I have been on a lot of backpack hunts. You probably learned a lot from us. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That I, was think lucky every, too. I think every hunt you guys are like, Peyton and Bell were like, oh, I want one of those. Yeah. And a lot of the stuff I borrowed from you guys because you have so much equipment too. And I'm like, well, I don't, I don't know what I need entirely. Yeah. You don't. So that's, that's also been nice too. So I've been probably more prepared than yeah. a lot of people. Yeah. Definitely. And you know what? I, whenever, Especially these new, like these backpack hunts were a newer thing. We didn't do a lot of backpack hunts two years ago. Huh. It was more this year because we didn't really draw anything. So we had just some DIY, OTC, heavy pressured, backpacked in type, some rugged type stuff. 
And anytime Peyton or Belmer came to meet me in my house to go on a hunt, I said, dump your pack. Let's see what you got. <laughs> and it's really, they were really annoyed by it. But I think they appreciated me later when I, later when I said, you're not taking that uh, sleeping bag. You're using this. Or yeah. you're using that for a pad. Are you sure? Take this headlamp. Or You know what I mean? Well, I went to Al's before our one, and I spent $500 on new equipment to get for the backpacker backpack hunt because i was like i want to be comfortable yeah at least because i've been on hunts even for like scouts growing up like you're freezing it's a weird hunt i had one of those big blue roll-up foam pads or whatever yeah. holding that thing around i'm like i'm not taking that i'll look like an idiot anyway <laughs> but I, I spent like 150 dollars on a pad and i was like it was a good investment yeah. for when we're up there it, so i'm like you have to expend some money to be comfortable and i'd rather yeah. be comfortable at this point than, and you get worth it and then yeah. you get proud of it and then you can break down camp really fast when you learn your equipment and you can oh, yeah. put it put it up really fast well even our like Camp hunts, I went and invested a new sleeping stuff, too, because oh, yeah. I had that mummy bag that the zipper had broke, and there was oh, yeah. just cold air. I, so I, I bring I bring these Cabela's, I can't even remember the brand, the Cabela's uh, stackable uh, bunk bed cots, and you can also unstack them. And So I unstacked them, and, well, when you set them up, you don't have to stack. You can either stack them or not. Well, I set Peyton's on one side of the tent. It was a Kodiak canvas tent and mine on the other side. And I roll out this Teton Sports negative <laughs> 15 degree comfy as can be thing. And I look over at him and he's sleeping on the can on the canvas of the cot with a little dink mumming bag. And I looked at him. <laughs> it was at least 20 years old, too. It was my dad. Oh, and like, you're sleeping in that? And I, it was like climbing into the Hilton in my Teton. <laughs> yeah. And I, it only took Peyton one or two hunts and he went... And then he one-upped at me, and then he bought a Teton Sports 3-inch pad and then a brand-new Teton Sports rollout negative 15-degree oh, pad. I think it's matching. More, it's negative 35. Negative 35. Yeah. I mean, maybe mine is negative 35, actually. It probably is. Aaron has the same 35. one. <laughs> and then um, they're matching. His pad is matching. He rolls this out next time. The damn thing took up my entire Tacoma. <laughs> it, it took up a lot of room, but I was like, we're going to be at this camp a lot. I this is a wall tent hunt. Yeah. Yeah. And it was well, worth it. 100% all the money I, I spent I will say, Peyton, he, he gets embarrassed the first uh, the He first, learns quick. He learns quick. He learns he's, really quick. He's embarrassing with his equipment the first time out, then he learns really quick. Well, <laughs> when we were in Oklahoma, me and Aaron had that. We were sweating how but we were comfortable. Oh, all we were comfortable. comfortable. Yeah. In fact, I, I gave you one of those for Christmas. Yeah, he did. That was the best best present you've ever given me. That <laughs> they're, thing, they're nice. Yeah. That thing's amazing. It's amazing, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I froze my butt off in Wyoming one year in negative 20 degree You weather. won't freeze in that thing. No. Yeah. You, you learn once you freeze. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's comfortable as can be, too. So for the jumping jack or wall tent type of hunt, the Teton Sports bag is pretty awesome. Kodiak Canvas has a pretty nice one with a Z-top. That's a pretty nice one. Yeah. I still think I like the Teton Sports one better. Man, while you guys were talking, I'm just thinking of my first couple backpack hunts and just what an idiot <laughs> they I was. Suck. Yeah, we'll have to Freeze talk them. about we'll have to talk about uh, have a podcast about fails or something. One of How these about days. when you get up there and you see other guys comfortable and you are just like I'm gonna die? <laughs> <laughs> no, that same trip where I had the five inch blisters, we forgot the poles on the tent. Remember? Oh yeah, that was horrible. <laughs> and then we slept with it like a like a just a blanket over us. The tent. <laughs> I forgot about that. That was. <laughs> How do we forget the poles? Then I I kill a dumb buck with my bow, 
and uh, he deflected <laughs> off a branch and he <laughs> no I didn't he shoots he loves to say that he zero deflects off Eric a branch Eric wasn't and even there so he wouldn't know you told me the story <laughs> no I said I thought I missed it because there were branches there I thought it's I thought no, your arrow I didn't hit, hit the branch no I still don't believe that <laughs> <laughs> anyway kill this buck and uh, yeah I had all sorts of it. I didn't have any water I didn't get home till like one in the morning anyway that's quite the I was chasing a 170 buck that day yeah <laughs> Gosh, that was yeah, that was that was like my first real. That was your my first, first real backpack, backpack yeah. Like that. Yeah, that was, it was that fun, was bad. It? Oh, it was awesome, but I learned quick from it for how bad everything <laughs> went. <laughs> hey, here's the moral of the story: if you don't go and make a mistake, you don't learn. It's, yep. it's you just don't want to make a mistake with put your life yeah. in jeopardy. Yeah. So get out there and test your equipment. I guess yeah, see, see what you need to upgrade. Yeah, <laughs> make sure there's a. Storm warning coming and see how it does. Yeah, exactly. Make sure there's a big nasty storm and you don't have your rain jacket on. <laughs> yeah. So that, that was a couple good questions. Let's go off. This one's a little faster. Uh, what hunting GPS app do you use? Uh, I use the Base Map Hunt app, and for a couple of reasons. Number one, the XDR Compass. The XDR Compass line and scale bar is absolutely amazing. If I'm trying to find my way back to camp, uh, downed animal figuring out how far I got to go back to the truck and just to use, being able to point and go, pinch in and pin, zoom in and zoom out by pinching your two fingers together. You can tell how far you were from certain distances. You uh, don't have to draw a line anymore to see how far you are from stuff. I love it for that. I like using the remote marker feature and being able to, you know, especially in a canyon or unfamiliar ground that you're hunting, being able to mark where you shot that bullet last light or buck so that when you wake up the next morning, you're, you're within, you know, a degree of where you shot that animal. So you know yeah. exactly where to start looking for blood. I'm telling you, that is hypercritical. Yeah, um, the nav, new nav cam's freaking money. Yeah. The That's na- awesome. The, the nav cam, you type in the yardage and up comes, um, literally your camera takes over on your cell phone. And you can zoom in and zoom out with your thumb. And you can set a heading for where where that is and then it'll place it inside the app on your phone and that way you can okay. navigate right to it that's pretty cool i haven't messed around with that you should mess yeah, with that so tomorrow i'll have to but anyway uh yeah and if you're that invested in on x uh you can transfer your waypoints over from on x into base map and it takes two minutes and here's how you do it you go to the my content folder on on x and you go to the uh import export on base map you download a KML file from OnX and upload it into Basemap on the web version. So you have to be on the web. You can't do this from your cell phone. You have to be on a computer. You just go to the web version of OnX, the web version of Basemap, export the KML file, import it into Basemap. Voila, all your tracks, waypoints, all your data is instantly Takes tra- like three trans- to five minutes. Transfer over. Not even that long. Yeah. Once you figure out how to do it, it's instant. Yeah, it's, so, it's fast. Yeah, it might take you three to five minutes to figure it out. But yeah, just to pull it up and get everything done, but it, it's fast. It might take you that long to remember your password, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's the main thing it, you get it, from it people. Might. But again, you can get 20% off go, going to basemap.com forward slash muleyfreak, um, and then you can use it there. Um, but anyway, we, we appreciate the support there if you do use us. But anyway, I and it's... $34 a year for all 50 states versus 99 Yeah, from OnX. Yeah. Like, why wouldn't you just take three minutes, transfer your waypoints over, and cancel your OnX subscription and use Basemap? I don't know. Yep. The price is a big thing. For and, there's, and there's yeah. more features. 
Yeah, yep. more features. And the high-res imagery, which is huge for stalking and finding and scouting, it's better. That's what everyone tells That's the first thing people will say. Or the, when I show it to them, they haven't seen it before. Oh, my gosh, the imagery is amazing. Yeah. Yep. That's the first thing they say. But here's the other thing I hear people say. It doesn't work like on X. It's not supposed to. Yeah. yeah. It's, it was done by different developers. It, yeah. You Here's the thing. You know one, one app. So, I mean, it's different. It's just yeah. a little bit different, but once you get used to it, it's super easy. You just got to play with it and get, be patient, give it time, and it's an it's a nice working app. Well, um, I'll give you one more question. One more question. We'll wrap this up. It's We're almost of, at fifty minutes. It's kind of a funny question. Uh, you get, but it's the most common question over anything on YouTube, Instagram. Um, where where are you hunting? Where did you shoot that buck at? Where did you shoot that elk at? <laughs> yeah. Very, very rarely do I give the state. <laughs> I know. That's what very I, rare. We just uploaded your Colorado hunt and I was like, that, that's a lot for Eric to put it's Colorado. Yeah. And there's there's a I saw a comment. It said, uh, hey, where did where where did you shoot that? Where did you shoot that Baron Elk at? Yeah, it said, <laughs> Where in Colorado? I was like, Okay, this is why I don't tell people. No, so. I, I I I just feel like uh I just I'm just not a fan of telling everybody where to go and how to do it. I think that should be earned. And I appreciate the people that have given me tips along the way, but it's just hunting, especially public land hunting spots have become ultra competitive. And they're, they're I mean, it's a going up and these spots that you work super hard for are even more fewer and further between than ever before. So I, I, those are kind of sacred to me. And so when someone asks me what state or what area or what unit, honestly, I'm kind of offended. I kind of get offended, <laughs> even though that I'll ask you. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> yeah. you'll be the first to ask somebody, though. Yeah, I'll be the first to ask somebody else. But no, I, I don't. I don't. And if I, if I did tell you, here's the thing. If I did tell you, I lied to you. So um, <laughs> just, yeah, I can't keep all the lies straight on where where i was so i think a lot of people are that way though too they'll, yeah, they'll get they spots and it's if you're hardcore hard guys to find are, a spot even the you secret, don't want to share appreciate it. me they'll appreciate this comment i think yeah you don't, you don't want to share you don't do you want to go see someone in your spot no not at no. all so even if it's well it's a draw tag and you know, no one's gonna have that every four years i i'll, I'll tell them where i go no i'm still not gonna tell because they're gonna tell and they're gonna tell their friend and he's gonna tell his friend if you want to go hunt with a buddy and learn together sure fine I, I just esteem that stuff as a little bit sacred for me. So, And especially my spots that I've shared with any of you guys or, Nate or Tyler or anyone, I, I'm super anal even with those guys. And me and, my tra and me and my buddy Travis, he's the same way. He probably lies to me. I probably lie to him. Uh, Nowatney, that is. And uh, I don't know. If, if he's had a bear spot and he's said, hey, you can, you're welcome to come. If I've ever considered going back, I'll call him and ask him, hey, man, you think it's okay if I – Go check out that bear spot. Are you going to be in there? Or would that be all right? Oh, yeah, dude. Go ahead. Check it out. Then does it look like I'm sneaking around his back. Yeah. And I've always had that trust and rapport with Travis that he knows I'm not going to do that. You know? So, and I, I think that says a lot. Yeah. I don't know. More of the story, don't ask. <laughs> Get out the couch. Go look. Yeah, don't ask. Yeah. <laughs> Go nope. find your own spots. All right, guys. Well, thanks for joining us on this Q&A. Please subscribe to the podcast. Send me an email, Eric, with a K, E-R-I-K, at mealyfreak.com. Let me know what you'd like to hear on the next podcast. Subscribe, rate, review. Leave us a note. Catch you on the next one.